Have you ever dreamed of being able to make more money, live a better life, and have the financial freedom that's rightfully yours? Well now is your chance. With an engaging perspective and tone, your host Ryan Dement will guide you through your journey to financial freedom one step at a time. Let's get to it. Here is your host Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement, Chasing Financial Freedom Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day this week. We have a special guest that I've connected with through our pre-call and our discussion, Amy Scruggs. And Amy is a recording artist, media coach, but she does a bunch of other stuff that she'll talk about. But the best thing is in the short period of time I've talked to her, she is a wonderful person, kind-hearted. Amy, welcome into the show. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I was looking forward to this. That was a very nice introduction. Thank you. You're not so bad yourself. (laughs) Thank you. So before we get into your journey, let's talk about who you are. Oh, I am. Oh, my goodness gracious. The loaded question right at the beginning. Yes. After 20 years of a twisting and turning and shifting career, I am a full-time media coach, which I absolutely love. Recording artists still in the game, still hanging in there and really proud to be representing other female independent artists out there making it happen. And I am a wife. I'm a mother. There are six kids total. All are grown now, which means that I have the time to be doing that. <laughs> That's a journey Wait, all of itself. Six kids. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Six kids. So what are the age? What's the age ranges? 32, 31, 28, 24, 22, 17. There's the lineup. Wow. You have one more that's in high school. No, she, we accelerated this. Would you have that many? You're like, let's speed this up. She actually graduated a year early. She skipped a grade. We got her on the fast path. So she's headed, she starts college in a few weeks, which is great. So you'll be an empty nester then. Of sorts. She, I was able to go to a local school, a, a university, California, San Diego, and we're in San Diego. So she's going to live at home. So I told her I'm going to convert her bedroom into a dorm room and put like plastic mats in the bathroom and still put bunk beds and rent it out to other people in the neighborhood. That way she really feels like she's getting the full immersion experience. <laughs> You're being serious, right? Yes. And I'm also taking half of her closet. <laughs> Can't have all that luxury your first year of college. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's who I am. I crack myself up. I've got a big career and we're going to dive into some of that and have some fun today. Oh, that's awesome. So let's get right into it. The piece that we talked about the most is, and I know you're, uh, and maybe you're not the most proud of it, but I am when you told me the story is about having your song charting, but the journey that you've been on with that song. Oh my goodness. The journey with music in general, like any other artist out there, right? You can hear the song and go, look, they just, that happened overnight. Nope. This is one of those 18 year overnight success stories. The song is called, What If It All Goes Right? And you can't have bad thought or a worry about a song with a title called, What If It All Goes Right? You have to go, what if this goes? So you put it out there and you see what happens. But I was, I recorded in Nashville back in 2004. I was going back and forth between Wholesale Mortgage in Southern California and playing in cover bands and recording in Nashville. And then life took a huge shift when recession hit in 2007 and eight and wholesale mortgage disappeared, just like everything else in the mortgage and real estate world. And so I decided to take those same sales skills and efforts and say, I'm really going to do music full time. But I knew that the way to make that, to monetize that was to be out touring. So I literally grabbed the kids and we went out and toured for the next years during recession by asking for the business. So I wasn't recording anymore. I had to go town to town. We were opening for some of the biggest names in country music. We were on, I was on orders with the army and also the spokesperson for American veterans. So we did a lot of military and veteran events and it was really exciting. And the song then was coming home that we had to honor our veterans. And uh, that was a really great time, but I always wanted that one song that was going to define me. And then life happens and shifts happen. And in 2011, stepped back into the mortgage and real estate world in business development, was still singing on request, but that opportunity to find new music and record a new song was definitely put on the shelf as I was hustling and helping sales teams, coaching sales teams, and then stepping into the driver's seat as a TV host for the past five years. Here comes 2020, the world shifted. (laughs) And with that, you take a TV host and an artist and a performing and a speaker and all the things that I'm doing and sit me down with AD. That wasn't going to happen. I decided to channel more into helping professionals and media coaching, which we'll get to. But what was so fun about that time was that I got the phone call from my A&R rep, 18-year relationship in Nashville that says, Amy, are you ready to come back and do your dream project? I have a producer for you. So this was a time when musicians, producers, nobody was out touring. They were available. 
And I got my yes. After all these years, I got my yes from Fred Mullen, one of the biggest, most amazing producers you could ever even ask for. Literally like the head of Disney music for years. So that that was just a dream. I'm like, yes. So during a pandemic, we went through a thousand songs to pick out the five that were going to be on this EP. And when I saw the title for What If It All Goes Right, I'm like, ooh, that just sums it up. That sums it up. I haven't even heard it yet. And that's the song. So we definitely put that one on the list. And when we got there and even in studio recording it that first day, there was something magical that happened. And it wasn't just me that felt it. The te- that the band felt it. Everybody felt it. And Fred took his headphones off and he goes, oh my God, everybody, that's a hit. We just knew it. There was just that energy. I felt this one so much. So then we go through the process and post-production and you wait and you hurry up and decide what your marketing strategy is. And I'm not on a major label. I am the label. It's Amy Scruggs Music. So I had to be very strategic, very wise with my budget and had some great relationships. And we put it out there. And uh, thanks to Airplay Direct, which is an incredible platform that gets music out globally, it got attention. Stations are picking it up around the world. Opened up opportunities for us to release it here in the U.S. And I would have never dreamed that it is charted in the U.K. It's been number one in Australia. It went to number 66 on Music Row just a couple weeks ago after nine weeks on the charts. And this week, I was so surprised. And that's a funny story with another one of our fellow podcasters that brought it to my attention. The New York Times just picked it up for its summer playlist. Oh, So, so what if it all goes right? There you, and how do you go wrong with that? How do you go wrong? So that's the journey of the song. It's just really special and go, wow, this is supposed to have a life of its own. The world needs to hear this right now. It's the feedback that keeps coming back. And I produced my own music video, directed, produced, put that together. It's had huge success. And I'm just thrilled because I didn't put it out there with outcome in mind. It wasn't like, if this isn't a hit, then I failed. I was like, if one person resonates to this song and is blessed, then it's a hit in my book. But to see what it's really doing is just so fun. That example of kind of letting go and watching and see what happens. And it is. So every little success point is just exciting. And I'm grateful. I'm not attached to the outcome, but I'm having a blast seeing what this is doing. So there you go. That was the long version around to the point in the story of the song. Don't worry about it. Isn't it amazing what if you stay persistent and consistent, what life can actually turn out? Even though we go through these evolutions of these cycles, like you said, you came back and forth into in corporate America and in doing your thing on the mortgage side that we've talked about. Yes. It's crazy where it, it leads you. But I got to ask the question, did, did you ever think that you would go back to Nashville and record a song like that and then start hitting the charts? No, I, I, I had le- I had closure on that piece. I knew I would still perform and do live shows and get asked to do events for military. And I would get called like I got called a couple of years ago to open for Chubby Checker and Frankie Avalon. So opportunities like that oh. would still come. But an opportunity to record at that level and one of, with one of the greatest producers in the greatest studio to put out a song like this, I thought that my time was done. And I was okay with it. I was proud of what I had already done. So I didn't live with regret. I never want regret. I was just grateful. Okay, that was the end of that part of my recording life. And I'm proud of the song Coming Home. It was a great journey that we had with that in the late 2008, 9, 10. Great. But this was unexpected and a gift that came out of nowhere in the middle of a pandemic by showing up, by being open and by answering the phone. So I got to ask the question. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Is this do you think this is part of gratitude or being open to new beginnings or do you think it's just because you kept on staying persistent? There's many ways I look at it. I think from hearing your story. You've been very persistent, but the other thing is it's you're a good hearted person. So I think this came to you because it's been out there for so long and it's okay. You attracted it back in. I think it's a combination of all three in a sense that if we don't stay persistent, if we don't keep working on it, we can't expect something to happen. If I'm going to sit on the couch and just watch TV, I can't expect opportunities to come by. So we have to have that work ethic, (laughs) that daily pursuit. I run my business as a business every day and the ability to say I'm here and ready to show up because opportunity can't come in if I don't put myself there. Now, the gratitude is the number one formula. I love one of my favorite mentors, David Melser, talks about if you want to change your life, start with gratitude at the beginning and the end of the day, every day for the next 30 days and watch what happens. And that's the truth. And that means gratitude for the crappy stuff. That means gratitude. This is a really bad situation, but I'm going to be grateful that it's an opportunity for me to show good character. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for me to grow through pain. So learning how to really do gratitude in a big way has been a big model for me. And yes, I believe that then that opens up the opportunity for receivership. That opened up maybe a blessing coming my way. I don't know 
Maybe this was a blessing that was destined and called upon my life since I was three. Maybe this was some kind of reward for pressing through some of the hard stuff. Maybe it was just that I was chosen for this song. I was chosen to be at this time, at this place for somebody else to be blessed. Maybe this is just a part of somebody else's blessing. I don't know. I just love showing up and finding out. And you were in tune with it and it happened. That's really cool. You talk about all those things about showing up for your business and being ready. I went through this exercise this weekend and it was crazy. And I'm looking at a whiteboard that's on the other side of this monitor is I I say this with just, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've been (laughs) stupid with some of the things that I'm doing in my business. And I say this, and I'm not downplaying a $10 job or a $15 job, but when you're a business owner and you're doing roles that you pretty much farm out for 10 or 15 bucks, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot and killing yourself in a business sense. You're not focused on the money-making pieces. You're high in best use. Yeah. And I've got one, two, I've got 10 things on that board that I've been doing that I thought were money producers until over the weekend, my girlfriend was here and she's like, why are you doing that? And I didn't, and it just, it dawned on me. I'm like, my gosh, why am I doing some of these things? So now I'm saying, okay, for some reason, my girlfriend being here and tell me what's going on. Now I got to re reset myself and mindset and be able to put myself back out there and be grateful for those things. Otherwise I'd be keep on doing those things that are on my whiteboard and struggling. And it's just amazing how little things in your life come through and change your path. And it's, I know that's not much, but it is because realistically, if you think about how much time I put into some of these things, I bill myself out. I, and I joke about it is I try to pretend to be an attorney on television is I bill myself out at $200 an hour. Well, right. You start if you start thinking about the amount of hours I've got hours up there. It's about fifteen hours a week that I put out. Right. And those tasks. So, figure that money out. And could I be doing something else with my life? Now I, the long that was the long quotient of that. My question to this is no, but that's brilliant and it's so true. <laughs> but I like what you said. Is you show up for your business every day, and that's where I want to dig into is how do you do that, and how can we get some nuggets and share that with our listeners. Because we have some entrepreneurs and business owners that are struggling to get to that point. And we have this buzz. There's this catchphrase of scale is relative to what you want to do. And everybody can define it. If you're more effective with your time, your business is going to grow arbitrarily because you're doing the things that you're most effective at, but also generating the most revenue. I I love this, Ryan. And first of all, just to to touch on scale, I know everybody wants to scale, but the problem is a lot of times it's you have to scale by next week or I want to scale by this time next month. And once you do that, you're putting limits on it. Because what if you just say, I want to scale as quickly as I can by working in my daily pursuit of my potential. Guess what happens? You might scale faster than you thought, or it may take longer because the right components have to come together and it's in your best interest. So we can think about scale, but we still have to take those limits off and stop putting times on things. If I'd put a time on something when I was 30, I would have fired myself 15 years ago. (laughs) Thankfully, I'm still in the game and I still do. I fire myself every morning and then I rehire myself by the afternoon and it's a fun process. But take it. I'm excited to scale, but I'm going to scale as quickly as possible by doing the daily tasks and by being in the constant pursuit of my potential. And that means being excited about what I'm doing. And staying excited in my passion and in what I'm doing, that these activities are going to get me there, then it will. Because I have had the most amazing phone calls, incoming, surprise things that weren't on the schedule. And it's like leaving room for that, staying open for that, because then that might change the entire timing of anything that I thought was in the plan. My job is to stay in business every day, number one. We have to look and say, what am I doing, just to your point, to stay in business every day? And what activities do I get paid for? And what activities do I not get paid for? And how do I prioritize that? Second is I'm a steward of my calendar. I am literally studying my calendar constantly. Where can something be scaled back? Where is there room to add in where I don't waste time and just noodling on social media? Even my social media time is purposeful at a part, scheduled part of the day when I need to set those things, run those ads, check the algorithms, and then I walk away. It's off. I'm not looking at it. It is not even an open browser. Because guess what? There's a 30-minute span that I could make a consulting call for somebody. Yes. Or I could work on work on a back end of my systems or my business. Or maybe take 30 minutes for my health and wellness because then I'm recharged and I can go have another five great hours in my day. Looking at my calendar and saying, how am I being effective? And what does my week really look like? And again, is that going to reach my potential for my pursuit? And that's what keeps happening. And what happens is it, go, it comes quicker, even though that's not what I've asked for. 
And then when the times it goes slower, I go, oh, this must be a blessing. There's something that needs to shift. (laughs) Then there's something I need to learn for this, something I need to evaluate. Or maybe I just need to be in the moment. Sometimes if it's a slower month, maybe that's the gift because I needed to breathe because I was getting tired. And if I'm tired, I'm not effective. I'm not bringing my best to others. Because everything that I do now, especially with coaching, is helping others. Or being on this great interview with you, you would not want me tired and cranky. That would not have made for a good time together <laughs> if I was not really here and present. But I'm 100% present with you yeah, because I want to bring my best because I've made the commitment to be here. And so therefore, I'm working in my business right now and I'm proud of it. And so really looking at each task, and that's the third thing I wanted to get to my takeaway for this, is I'm very, with the tasks, I have a do it now philosophy. If you ask me, Ryan, Amy, hey, can you send me that referral for when so we talked about, can you send that over? I'm The minute this is done, I'm going to do it right that minute. Because what happens, we'll say, yeah, and then we create this list. And all of a sudden, we have 20 tasks on there that if we had done right then would have actually saved us an hour or two. So anything that I can do right that minute, oh, yeah, let me forward that over to you. Let me cut and paste that. Let me do a quick edit on this and then send it off. And the next thing you know, my list then only has the major blocks, the working with a client, the developing the business working on a great project. My projects get more concentrated time because my do it now tasks get done immediately. And that's how I manage my day. Do you have any type of outsourcing that you do that anybody that supports you or are you just all yourself? At this point, I still do manage a good chunk of it myself. I have outsourced some content creation, so that's okay if I need that. I'm still selective though, so it's not just over the top and unnecessary. I still evaluate What content do I need created and which needs to be outsourced? My husband definitely helps me with admin and the back end with the website, definitely editing and going through things that I'm writing. If we have press articles, he's a second set of eyes. So he's a huge help with my PowerPoints and things like that. He likes to dive in and do those long tasks and look at every word and every bit of punctuation where my ADD doesn't exactly thrive on that. So those are that that's the outsourcing. Other than that, I really run the ship over here, but it's manageable. Because I also look at, I don't need to help the whole world. I don't need to coach everybody. I want to coach those. Whoa, wait, you don't want to coach everybody? No, I just want to want to work with me. And we choose that this is a fit. And then I can give you my best. If I've got X amount of clients all month, they're getting my best. And then I'm not going to burn out. Yeah. So I've got to ask. So. You're managing your sales too, I'm guessing. So you're doing everything. You're doing soup to nut. Yes. If, okay. No, because this will get me where I'm going. No, I get it. I handle the same stuff too. I just, I know certain things I've got to, I for me is, is I've got to put it out and give it mm-hmm. to my VA. Otherwise it'll drive me bonkers. For that individual that is like yourself, that's wired that way, that are focused on their business, coming to the business every single day and, and doing what they're doing, like you're doing soup to nut, your to-do list is there. What are some nuggets that they can use to be more effective with their time? Things that you've used in the past to better yourself with one-time management, but also effectively managing the business on a daily basis. I got to learn to speak English. (laughs) Daily basis so you can grow your business, one, and two, be effective with the time to generate effective revenue. I think... uh One thing that we need to clear every day that we have a tendency to do as entrepreneurs is almost starting to pant like, "Ah, I have to, Ah, oh my goodness. Okay. I have to get the, oh shoot, this is coming at me to stop and breathe and say, this is going to be a great day. I can accomplish all of this. I have, I've set the time. I've set the intention and taking the pant and the panic and the race out of it and realize that this is just a daily pattern. Looking at it as a routine and not a panicked finish line we're trying to get to. This is just my routine. So I can check these things. What are the most top priorities that I have to check off of? What are, what do I get paid to do? What can I fill in that can create opportunities of more things I can get paid to do? And what are tasks that need to get handled that I can weave in there and weaving those in and just looking at it every day that it's not a panic and then we're not hyperventilating in the process. I think that has been a huge awakening to just enjoy the daily routine. And then I see more fun in it. Taking this time to be with you, this is so much fun. This wasn't a part of my daily routine because unless we're planning on doing this every morning, it's not part of my routine. (laughs) But how fun that there was the time in there for me to be on this great show that you've provided for entrepreneurs. And 
what a beautiful thing that I can be all in because I'm not in a panic today. And you use two words that I was going to circle back around. So you must have been reading my mind. Daily oh. routine. Yes. Entrepreneurs struggle with them. Yes. How, how do we, how do, well, let's ask, I want to figure out how you're handling your daily routine and how did you master it? Because it sounds like you've mastered it very well. I think as a mom with that many kids, there was something in my DNA that naturally knew how to do it <laughs> or created. When I hear other entrepreneurs, though, and especially younger entrepreneurs just coming in, they have this, I want to just be my own boss and run my own business. And then they see the videos that entrepreneurs are out on the golf course all day and they're out on the boat. And isn't this a wonderful life? I just handled my business on the boat. Can we get to that? And are there days that you can be out and about and still manage your business? Yes. Yeah. But I run it with the same discipline and create a routine as if I work for a corporation that requires me to come and clock in. I mm -hmm. clock in for myself and I feel that same responsibility because now this is my business. Before, when I clocked in with the corporate jobs, I was making them money and I was given what, I, what they allow me to have in my paycheck. But now I get to clock in for me. So setting that routine of even if I don't have my first meeting till noon, I'm still at my desk at the same time because guess what? Then I can do those tasks, those extra projects. Even if it means taking that time to read a great book that's giving me more challenge and more advice and more things and tools that I can put in, listening to one of your podcasts with another great professional saying, okay, what can I pull from that? That's still an activity that fits into that work day. And so creating routine that says I'm going to show up Pretty much at the same time. Of course, there's going to be flexibility. But if there is flexibility, I kind of work later then. I give myself full spectrum of work that I'm accountable for. And then I see it as a, as a, I'm a proud business owner. This isn't just a hobby. And you are saying all the buzzwords and it's, and you're reading my mind again, is accountability. You talked about these young individuals coming in that are entrepreneurs I have some of them calling me too and saying, hey, Ryan, I want to be like you. And I'm like, you want to be an eight-year overnight success? You have <laughs> two failed businesses and you're working on a third. And the third is, and I don't even success what I'm doing. I have just learned how to manage my daily routine, be accountable to myself, yes. being persistent. I've had a lot of failure and the failure mm -hmm. has not defined me. It's taught me. But the other thing is I've learned that I'm a little tougher than I thought I was when I first started this journey. And when I tell individuals that, they're like, that doesn't sound like fun. And I'm like, it's not. Gotta be about scared. It. Yes. Yeah. And I joke about it. And I said, are you willing to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? And that's what it's Take the hard to. risks. Yeah. And, Invest in yourself. And I tell people that I'm probably going to have to go back to peanut butter and jelly here pretty soon because we're going to make another scale here. And I'm not allowing my past to control me, but I'm allowing my past to shape me to where I now know that. I'm going to put everything back into the business and I will yes. make sure that my family's taken care of. I can skimp, but that's going to get us to the next level. And that right. I, I'm not going to even use the S word. It's just a next level and it's yes. another tier, but I'm not afraid to do it. And I'm not afraid to live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, live well below my means. That's what entrepreneurship is. And the other thing that I always joke about, but people think it's funny too, is Corporate America never taught me how to be a fisher man or a fisher woman. I never learned how to fish because I was fat and happy every two weeks. Got paid. I didn't have to worry about it. My paycheck was in the bank. It was there. Every, every Friday. And now it's, oh, I got to go make sure I've got some food on the table and pay the bills and put a roof over my head. That's entrepreneurship and whole. And people don't see that. They do not see it's that. crazy. But I love when talking about the word failure. So, it's a, one of those words that people go, oh, I love the word because I'm not afraid of failure. What I'm afraid of is regret. I'm afraid of the regret yeah. of not trying. And the thing that I've learned from my failures is, huh, with these work skills, with these daily habits, if this all gets ripped away from me tomorrow, if I call you tomorrow and say, guess what, Ryan, the song's flopped, I can't release any more music, and I don't have any opportunities for more clients. What I do have is a work ethic that says I can go build it again. Right. I can do it again. I've done it. When the industry collapsed, when my career and that job in wholesale mortgage disappeared and I went out and toured, my touring came from using the same skills as going out and asking for the business in mortgage. Right. It was the daily grind of skills that said, I'm going to go ask for the business for my music. I'm going to know I need to find the highest and best 
price point to go tour with. I can't do the small little club on the corner that's going to pay $200 for a four-hour set. I need to find the bigger paying shows. I have kids with me, so it has to be family shows. I set out a business model of what that needed to look like in order to accomplish those goals. And I ran it as a business. And I could do it again. If you take all of this away, I'll do it again. That's amazing because that mindset, and I'm just, this is just me saying is we've lost a lot of that in in upcoming generations because of the internet, social media, and they think what entrepreneurship is or working or whatever you want to say is just that easy. I'll show up and I'll get paid. And then if I don't want, if I don't like my pay, I'll quit. And then I'll go find another job or I'll just stay at home or whatever. I saw this in the Wall Street Journal. It was either last week or the week before. They're calling it the roughly quitting generation to where- the Silent quitting. Yes. Silent quitting. That. There we go. Yeah. I saw that. Where they slowly like, just stop doing the extra. They turn their phone off at the end of the day. It's basically, I'll show you. You're not getting extra any extra out of me yes. because I'm not happy here anyways. Yes. And it's, my gosh, you're getting paid to do a job. And if you don't like it, go find another one. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. And it's, guess the word to use is entitlement. I don't know what else to say. You and I would be out of business if we put that model into practice. Yeah. And then these individuals want to come and say, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to put up a TikTok and I'm going to have a million followers. Oh Oh my gosh. It's, it's so backwards and it's, I, and, I don't know. and even if it does happen for them, it's short term. What long term skills am I creating? They could adapt because I've joked at some point I'm going to have a face just for radio and not television anymore. As I get older, <laughs> I need to be able to shift and adapt. Thank goodness we have podcasting. But I need to be able to know what is my career going to look like 10 years from now, even 15 years from now. So how can I create these habits that will shift into what I'm doing then? It's maybe just a consultant in a different way. Long term setting the stage and habits that will then create those opportunities. Your mindset is so beautiful. I wish there, I wish I could have everybody come on and say all those things and be able to share that <laughs> the world over and over again, because that's truly what's going to make us successful. Whether you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a nine to five W2 or whatever you want to be. It's your mindset. And it's the mindset of getting off the couch and going to do something, finding what you like, and go after it, you can monetize it and make it a business if you want to. Great. If not, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I got that. But Mm -hmm. you've got to do something with your life. And saying that you're going to stay at home on the couch, binge watch Netflix, and become a TikTok star overnight because you put out one video is just is crazy in my mind. And these habits, they follow through into our personal lives. Again, pointing out, I, I have a big family. If I didn't have these kind of organizational skills or do it now philosophy, I have a girl who probably wouldn't have gotten into college because managing a senior in high school was a full-time job. Managing adult kids (laughs) that needs help, that need help. When the pandemic hit, I had three sons lose their jobs in three days. And I said, this is not a drill. I want everybody's financial spreadsheet on my desk by tomorrow. We're going to review, assess, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to triage and we're going to figure out what needs to happen to make sure that everybody gets to to this next function. But that's what you do. And these skills went right into my parenting, how I help them grow and navigate life. And hopefully they're learning that for me. They will never question my work ethic and I'm modeling that. And it's a good thing. And your kids probably are wired pretty close to the same way you are. I'm, I would be no, (laughs) a couple of them without many, you're going to get all kinds of dynamics and personalities. And that's wonderful and beautiful. And I love it. So I can tell you which ones are going to be quicker driven, which ones need a lot more cattle prodding. But at the same time, everybody's going to get to that end goal. And it even started with when they were teenagers, when that was time for their first job, Mm -hmm. I helped them. But you know what? Each one of them got a first job in a field they were passionate about. My son loves BMX bikes. He worked at the bike store. Matthew loves mechanics. He was at a mechanic shop. My other son is big into motocross. He was at a motocross helmet company. And my daughter's at a music studio. Everybody's first job that they get that first paycheck was work ethic and that they're working in their passion. I wanted to create and set that model for them. So it is very possible. So at what age average wise did your kids go to work? 17. Man. 17 for easy household. Oh, yeah. My dad yeah. threw me out at 15 and a half and said, go get a job. <laughs> and I'm not saying, generous I'm <laughs> not saying throw me out of the house, but he said, OK, it's time for a job. And so at, at the time I was living in San Diego, I went to Mount Carmel High School yes. and they had a work program to where 
I was playing golf and basketball. Our golf coach was our, I don't know if you want to call him a work administrator or whatever, and got us jobs. And they got me a job at a full service car wash where I was out riding car wash tickets and then washing them on the other side and drying them, whatever. Clearly didn't do my passion, but I ended up staying there pretty much from the age of 15 and a half until 21. Wow. Uh, and worked my way up to running the place. And I was like, that was interesting. I never, I never thought I would stay at a place that long. And it's, I, I, then it rubbed off into my other jobs. I, I did the same thing and stayed. I just didn't leave. And it's, I look at these individuals now, these kids that come to me and they're like, oh yeah, if I don't get a pay raise in six months and it's not what I want, I leave. Oh, I'm like, good grief. I'm like, where are uh, they getting this information? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing yeah. is it, we're wired differently for a different generation. But these, uh, and I say this, I have two nephews that are in their twenties and they have, one has it worse than the other, but they're like, if they don't pay me. I'm just going to leave. And I'm like, okay, so you think your resume with job hopping and you go to another employer, they're just going to hire you. Yeah. It, it's, that doesn't change employers. Exactly. Hire recruiters and HR people see that and they're like, that's a red flag. What's going on right. type of a thing. But it's that type of mentality that has changed over the years. And, and this is, I digress my rabbit holes. See, I've got too many. No, we can do a right. whole nother podcast just on this topic. I love it. <laughs> uh, so do you I love it too? We might have to. Do you think that a lot of the younger entrepreneurs are suffering from this and the yes. reason why they're struggling? Because at some point, they weren't provided the tools of foundation of what this really looks like. And I always advise any young adult, if you really want to know if this is something you can do or do, you need to go out and shadow and intern or mentor under someone that you admire and you see doing it. Find out what that job really looks like. And I took all four kids on tour. So starting, the youngest was four at the time. They were touring with me and everybody helped. My oldest son was my lead guitar player and running the band. Literally... He was amazing. Cool. He was 17 and 18 when he started playing for me. And he stood on some of the biggest stages with me. And he, there was a respect element that there, the minute we walk into that venue, everybody represents this brand and this business, including the kids. And everybody works hard because this is our family business. This is what we're doing to be thankful, to provide, to put food on the table. And they all learned very quick what that looked like. And then when it was time for their own jobs, then they started in those other places that they wanted to be. But I did start with them young of what hard work looks like. And when everybody has to pitch in and help out, and that's what happened. And maybe today's entrepreneurs haven't had that model. Of course, not everybody's mother goes out and tours as a rock star. Totally get that. <laughs> not the normal situation. But I think every young person could volunteer to community service mentor and go immerse yourself in a business. If you think that's your calling, go immerse yourself and find out what the daily nuts and bolts look like. Then you're going to have a better idea. But to think you can step in blind without the tools and make these life-changing decisions or have entitlement, you're going to end up with a sad, unfulfilled life. And nobody wants that. We want better for our young adults today. And you want better for your kids. But there, you said some things that are very straight to the point. You gave your kids foundation, you gave them structure, whether it was you touring or whatever, but you laid the foundation and the hard work that's missing today. There's really not a lot pushed on that front. And, and, and I just say this from my own personal experience in my net, my nephews work hard, but they also want to just get paid. They have that mentality. They balance the two. They want to get paid, but they're willing to work hard. I see both sides and I, and they were taught at a young age how to have a work ethic. I just think they've been, I say, corrupted by yeah. social media and so forth, but they're very smart, highly educated. But I see a lot more people coming to me and talking to me is, the, is that they didn't have that home life, that structure. And then now they think that it's going to continue that way. And that kind of leads me into my other side of my business, my coaching and change. And I do change coaching. It's life. I mean, Come to me with your three top things that you want to change in your life. I'll help you get there, but you're yeah. going to have to put the work and, and effort in. I just don't see that happening. And within five minutes of talking to somebody that comes to me, I'll tell you that they're going to want to make change or not. If not, I just say, hey, I'll be here when you're ready right. to help you. But it looks like we're not quite there yet. Like you said earlier, 
you want to work with individuals that you guys are connected yes. and you both see the same vision. I'm you're wasting your time as well. And you're not yeah. and you're not giving yourself to somebody who really could use and need and make drastic changes. Your Correct. talent needs to be used in the highest and best way for those individuals that are ready. And if you're not ready, like you said, that's great. I'll be here when you are. So when I, after a consulting call, say, hey, I'm not going anywhere. You know where to find me. When you're ready, I'll be here and we'll see if it's a fit at that. And that's okay. And, and I was talking to a gentleman last week and he was a little insulted because I told him that. I said, hey, it sounds like you're not quite ready yet. I'll be here when you're ready. And he's, what are you talking about? I just asked you when, before you scheduled our pre-call for 30 minutes, our coaching call for 30 minutes to have the top three things that you want to change in your life. You didn't even have one thing ready. Oh, no. You're still fumbling. Not ready. You're not ready. And if you can't make the list, you can't tackle the list. <laughs> correct. And he was looking for me. And I said, You're looking for me to make the change. And I said, Do you not think on a daily basis I struggle with change too? I just outwardly discuss it, excuse me, outwardly discuss it, and then also work on it. Mm-hmm. I struggle too. I'm human. I'm human also, but I don't let it control me. And I think that's where you and I are a little different. is change has to happen. I know I need to involve, but it's, you seem to be okay with not taking that change on. And you have, he had these thoughts that he had this business idea, which it was decent in what he was trying to do, but he hadn't done any research, didn't understand what the market cap was, Mm -hmm. didn't really know how to get it started and was looking for me to do that. And I'm like, one, I'm not a business coach. And two, you're coming to me with a business idea. That's a whole nother game. I'm a change coach. If you want business coaching, I can refer you to somebody that can help you with startup stuff. I've met the daily habits so that then you can go accomplish that. Correct. And that's what I laid out to him. He's like, that's a lot of work. That was the response. And I'm thinking, oh boy. And luckily it wasn't on Zoom because he would have saw my face. It was probably (laughs) red and angry. So dude, you wait. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just wired differently. I'm not afraid of change. I'm afraid of being stuck. I'm much more afraid of stagnant, stuck, or not changing. The changes, if I look back at the history of my life, and even just the 20 years of my career, every change moment, oh my gosh, what a blast. What a great opportunity. Ooh, that was growth. But that opened up this next door, or it closed one that I wasn't supposed to be in anymore. Every moment of change, if I go back and review it, I'm so thankful for it. So then why would I not be thankful for whatever changes up ahead that I don't see? The history is telling me the story. All right, bring it on. But you're also grateful for what you have. So once you're grateful for what you have, the change comes along with it because then it says, okay, now you're happy for what you have. You're you're content. And now you're moving into another piece of your life where that comes change. There will be adversity, but there will also be wins in there for you too. And people don't realize that change is truly a blessing wrapped up in disguise to where you're going to get some, you're going to get some L's, but there's going to be a lot of wins in that. Yes. I address that with my clients as well. And it's really personal work that I do because the change for them means that we might be changing how you speak, how you articulate something, how you carry yourself, how your face looks. (laughs) We're going to change your body language. And it's very personal. And a lot of times you have to be ready for that work to say, okay, I'm going to take out your filler words. We're going to take and change how your dialect is because you're wanting to be taken seriously. You're wanting to be on these larger media fronts and broadcasts, but you're still speaking in a low monotone voice or being nasally or just not articulating, we need to work on vocabulary. We wouldn't need to work on phrasing. We need to work on where the sound is coming out from your mouth and how you carry yourself, how you sit. It's very personal. A lot of people got to sit up. With that. You've got to sit up. <laughs> I saw people. your clip on social media. I'm like, oh man, I better make sure I'm sitting up. When <laughs> you I'm better be sitting up. up. I but don't want to be get, I don't want that stern lecture. No, if somebody was just reclined back and, and a lazy boy while they're doing uh, th- their broadcast with you, would you be as inclined to take them as seriously as a professional? Oh no, by all means. But look at me. This is my presentation. I'm in a t-shirt, but that's just who I am. But I know when I dress up for something, if I'm going to go speak in front of a bunch of people, I'm not showing up in a t-shirt and shorts. I know to work my way through, but I also am respectful of myself. I yes. want to be who I am. So I think that's what, yeah, but Ryan, what I love about you is that you're alert, you're present, you're engaging, you're making eye contact. Your face is showing that you're engaged in the conversation. If you were just monotone and your face stayed in the same, yeah, I'm here with you. Great. Another interview I'm talking <laughs> to Amy. That's the part I'm talking about is how you carry yourself. I don't care about your t-shirt. It's fabulous. What I care about is your face. 
your inflection, your body language. That's where the message is. Oh, yeah. And it tells a huge story. We can go on deep into that. So I, you start talking about that. And I really like that. So what do you really help people with in your coaching business? What is, what's the number one thing that you help people with in your coaching business? How to deliver their message. Everybody's got their story. Whether they're representing their nonprofit, their business, themselves, their family, a community outreach, a rotary club, somebody's representing something if they're going to be on any kind of podcast, media interview, or creating their cell phone videos because they want people to see it. At that point, we need to create that message and how to deliver that message. And then how to then take those messages and create opportunity for them to be visible. So there's two steps to that. But the first part, you can have the greatest business and you're, you want to put it out there and you're putting it all on social media and you're turning on your camera and going, yeah, what I'm here today to share is the success of my business. We've got a problem. So we need to learn how to level that up, how to really deliver your message, how to shorten it up, get to the point because we all have small attention spans, but a lot of great professionals are missing opportunity with that fear of the camera or not being willing to reevaluate their communications, their vocabulary, and how they deliver themselves. A lot, I'm sure you as well have been in interviews or hosted interviews where great professional, yep. but oh my gosh, where's the energy? Where, bring it, bring in your game. And a lot of people are just intimidated or don't take the time to have the self-awareness. So my coaching really brings out that self-awareness. We do a deep dive on it and we change the way you present yourself so that you can be heard. Is the biggest fear when somebody comes to you, is it the camera? What is your, what do you think is the, well, not think, what is the biggest obstacle that you tend to face with your clients? The camera is the secondary. What's so funny is the most common thing I hear is, oh, is that how I look? And is that how I sound? And the, <laughs> the answer is yes. So if you don't like it, then let's work on it because it's the same voice and the same face you take out everywhere you go. The camera is just like another person looking at you. We just walk around looking out of our eyes so we don't realize what people are looking at. The camera is looking at you and you can see it back. So guess what? You find out that you maybe have that, you know, unfriendly resting face or you find out that you might look angry all the time, even when you're happy. I joke, my family jokes, this is my angry face because I know how to keep my, if I'm angry, you don't know it because I'm still smiling and it's, it can be used, but I try not to. The awareness, it's not the camera. It's that people aren't ready to look at themselves. Everybody wants to get on TikTok. Everybody wants to look oh, at my God. videos, look at my videos, look at my videos, but they won't look at themselves. We yes. have to start looking at ourselves first. Then we can worry about what our message is. Oh, It's been backwards. And then we just see all the disasters. And don't get me started on virtual meetings and the cameras facing the ceiling and up the nostrils and people getting up and down and turning around in front of the camera. Please just stop doing it. We are too far into this virtual world now to continue those <laughs> behaviors. Frame yourself, sit down, look at the camera and treat it the same way you would have as if you were in an in-person meeting and watch and see what opportunities might unfold in some of those virtual meetings that you are missing. But do you think during this whole pandemic and everything that's going on and social media and internet, do you think we've lost that human to human touch and that ability to effectively communicate? Many have, yes, absolutely. There's a, almost a laziness that's come in with it. But Ryan, I feel like I'm right here in the same room with you. We're communicating and engaging with each other in this time, no different than as if I drove to your office, sat down, and we were sitting in a boardroom. We've both got our energy. We're both engaged and connected. And I feel this has been a, just an incredible, valuable time. And everyone can have that same opportunity. Exactly. And, without and it's, mute. And it's healthy. We're having great conversation. And, and the things that you are saying are so on point and... The best way to describe it is holy smokes, because you've got the same mindset I have, but I don't say enough and I'm with you message and you put it out there. I think I told you in our pre-call that I've been, I've put myself to a challenge for YouTube and putting videos out and so forth. Yes. And then my girlfriend is now tasked me with YouTube shorts and Facebook reels and Instagram reels, whatever. The funny thing about that is. When I see myself, I don't, I, by all means, I don't care what I look like. I try to present myself. I try to be as happy as I can, but she always scolds me. You never smile enough. You never smile enough. And, and I said, pointing okay. out your resting face, Ryan, is that what's happening? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that I cha I'm challenged with and I'll continue to be challenged with, and you can give me feedback is when I go on camera, I'm typically not talking about a topic that's sexy. 
I'm not trying to do something crazy to get views, likes or whatever, because I tune sure. all that out. It's all vanity numbers to me. I'm looking to provide value. So when I'm talking about change and being able to level your, level your game up and be able to do something different in a week that you normally don't do to make that process start kicking in, people look at me like, what the hell are you doing? And that's when I was telling you about those comments. Must be getting to the right place because I'm getting more hater comments than I do <laughs> positive comments. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep on doing this path. But in the end, it's the vanity is just that. It's whatever. It's the the piece of getting on camera and just doing it is probably the biggest obstacle that I ever had in my career. By all means, I am never scared of the camera, never have been, never will be. The audience size when back in the day when I was working corporate America would probably scare me. Anything over about 100 people, I would get scared and nervous. And then all of a sudden something broke one day and it was like I was in front of like 250 people doing a presentation and it broke. And it just from that point on, I was never afraid to do public speaking. Now, am I the most perfect public speaker? No, No I've got safe. I have safe words and I know that. And I work on that and moving my hands. My mom always lectures me about moving my hands. That's how I tell my story. And that's part of my branding. So that's what I do. But the back to the camera piece and putting that message out there, it's, it's self-soothing to me. It's actually relieving. And to put that out there, just to say, Hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. And whether you like it or not, I don't care, but I'm trying to help you. And in the end, if you take it, great. If you don't, great. Right. Well, at the end of the day, if you're, if you know that's the message you want sent, and if your face and your message are aligned, then you've done it. And sometimes maybe it can just be a slight, just a slight tweak. Like you said, you're giving some intense information. But maybe you don't want to stay intense the whole time and become a difference where are you scolding or are you endearing them to you? And fighting, where is that balance? Got it. You don't want to cut, unless you are like, hey, I am scolding you because you're all a bunch of, depending on what your message wants to be. So how you find that happy medium where you're not smiling like you're walking into a party, but you're also not making somebody feel like, hey, I think he just criticized me because we want people to endear to us so they can want to engage. And finding that happy medium can make all the difference for you. And that's the journey I'm on. That's the struggle because she says, I need to smile and have a different approach on certain things. So I've been trying it for the last four or five videos. I'm by all means, I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I'm getting better. And do you want me to start my daily critiques? (laughs) I'll start putting, but by all all means, I am, I'm an open book and I got thick skin. So I like to improve and all joking aside, I, and this is going to digress into something else. And we're, we're already almost 52 minutes into it where it feels like five everyone. minutes. No <laughs> worries. You're going to be going on a good friend of mine's podcast, Brian Kelly. Yes. And he does some similar things that you do and so forth. But the one thing that you both bring in that realm is great critiquing and it's positive and it's reinforcement because he's given me ideas on video. He's given me ideas on post-production. And all those types of things. And you're giving front end piece and talking about that. That's invaluable um, nuggets that I can't live without because ultimately, how do we get to a better place in our entrepreneur journey, life, whatever, without great people like you or Brian or others to help us. And great platforms like this, where we get incredible advice from somebody different every time. Yes. We have, imagine if I had these resources 20 years ago when I was starting. Oh my Man. gosh, this is a gift <laughs> to any young entrepreneur. You want to yes. get a good start, know what it's like, follow this show and listen to every episode. You're going to be a different person six months from now. And this is what's so awesome about, about this type of platform, what you're offering and others as well. I'm looking forward to the one coming up with your friend, Brian, as well, is it's giving opportunity, free advice out there for everyone. This can work for you and take what works for you and toss the rest. That's fine. That's fine. But we're here to give our advice and our wisdom to say here, we paid the dummy tax. I paid 20 years of a dummy tax to be able to come here and have this conversation today. And we're trying to help others avoid some of that dummy tax and start some of these new habits and new ways of looking at how they carry themselves, how they run their business, and how they present themselves today. And being open to change is yes. probably the biggest thing. Because when I speak to an individual and they arbitrarily poo on me on any type of idea about, okay, are you, I, the first thing I'll ask is, are you okay if I critique? Because they'll say, I've got videos. And I'm like, by all means, I'm no professional, 
but I will critique it. And if you're open to critiquing, I will. And then immediately when I do that, it's poo on it. And it's okay. So you're not open to this, but I'm trying to help you get in a better spot. Ultimately, that'll help you. Maybe you need to get somebody else to give you some critique and see where that aligns, whether it's with me or maybe they're different. I don't know. At the end of the day, if you're not open to the critique and the change, how do you evolve as a human being? Not just. No, that means you're just open to being stuck. That means you open yourself to being stuck. And then that's the choice. I like that. That might be the teaser for the podcast. You're open to being stuck. I love that. That's a good one. I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, So before we, we wrap this all up, I want to be able to share with the listeners a nugget, tidbit. What would we want to leave with you and the show? What could, we sh- what could you share with the listeners? One tip that we could take away that's actionable to change our lives. Take the limits off. Don't say, if I'm not this by this day or this age, it's over. Take off the limits and watch and see what can happen if you work in the daily pursuit of your potential. Deep. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Amy, thank you very much for coming on the show. But before we go there, how can everyone get a hold of you? And I will put it in the show notes, but I like to also let you talk about it too. Thank you. AmyScruggsMedia.com, AmyScruggsMusic.com. They both feed to the other. You just have to find one. AmyScruggsMedia.com. Please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. If anybody has further questions or wants to do a group workshop, I think Ryan and I need to do a group workshop together. I think we're going to put something together. That's what I'm calling (laughs) <laughs> but here, I want to tease something because Brian and I have come up with an idea. We're talking about putting together a small podcaster group. And I hate the word mastermind, but that's right. where we're started at to where we're talking about or we're talking with other entrepreneurs that have podcasts, the struggles like what we've talked about on on this show, but then also sharing and then allowing some potential up and coming entrepreneurs or individuals mm-hmm. that are business owners that are struggling. And then be able to take the different podcasters with their skill sets and be able to have those conversations and turn those episodes. The connectors. Yes. Ah, I like that. Connectors. Boy, you're just (laughs) full of nuggets today. I need to have you on more often. (laughs) Anytime. It was such a blast. I had really such a great time with you today, Ryan, and incredible information. What a fun show. Keep it up. (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm honored for you to come on and we'll be chatting.